Welcome to the Happy Holy Podcast. I'm Anna Marie Frank, a doctor of traditional naturopathy and certified brain health professional. Now, those of you that know Happy Holy You, you know that we are all about health and well-being, and we combine all the physical aspects, nutritional aspects, as well as the energetic and emotional aspects to well-being. So on this podcast, you guys, you are going to get a variety of information with different topics that can range from brain health all the way to how your energy field impacts your overall health and well-being. Now, let me remind you that we are not giving medical advice on this podcast, and these are just our personal experiences and information that we are sharing. If you do have any physical or any mental challenges going on in your life, we highly recommend that you seek a medical professional that you have a strong relationship with. All right, you guys, we are going to get started. So here we go. All right, Heather. I am flipping the interview on to you now, sister. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So first, I mean, everybody's heard you talk on the podcast a little bit about you, but let's dive in to share a little bit about where you grew up, how you ended up living 3,000 miles away from where you grew up, and like, how did you get to where you're at now? So I went to college in Haven. I grew up in Massachusetts, Worcester, Massachusetts, which we talked about on a, a previous episode mm-hmm. we talking about how the population, it's the second largest city in New England. And even though it's the second largest city in New England, I think the last time I checked the population count, it was 140,000 a long time ago. I think it's a little bit higher now versus Bakersfield, which is almost a million people in Kern County, which is unreal to me. So a big city in New England is a little bit different than a big city in California. Yeah, right. It's fascinating. I went to high school in a small town. I'm actually curious. I should look it up while we're on here. I'm curious to see what the population was. I went to high school in West Boylston High, which was about in Massachusetts in general. A lot of the cities are really, really close together. And so it's not uncommon to get from within 10 minutes to get to a different city. So I lived on the Holden line which means two minutes was Holden and then like 10 minutes was West Boylston. So it would take like 12 minutes to get to school in the morning. It's really great. So do you call them cities or towns? Like where I grew up in Michigan, we called it towns. So I get to town like five minutes away or 10 minutes away. Yeah, I feel like West Boylston is definitely a town and Worcester was a city. So there must be like some, I just Googled the population of West Boylston is 8,215. So 8,215 people in the city, of, in the town of West Boylston. So that was the high school that I attended. And I was one of 70 students in my graduating class. 70. That, that's crazy. <laughs> my class, I grew up in a town that was, Garrity just walked in and she lost a tooth and there's blood everywhere. We're recording a podcast, babe. <laughs> she wants to show you her tooth. I don't want to see it. No, Garrity, I don't, I can't even. I'm not a Bravo. blood all right sorry guys sorry guys okay so that's funny because i grew up in a town of like i don't know it was like seven thousand maybe ten thousand like outer skirts of the town i grew up in but i remember we graduated i think i graduated high school with about 199 kids wow because we were one of the largest classes to go into our high school at the time and then like people just started like leaving and 
So it was crazy that we only ended up graduating with 199, but I mean, 70, like 70. So the population of Worcester, I just looked it up, the most recent stat is 205,918. So it's definitely grown quite a bit. Yeah. And it's considered a large city. And there's other cities that are close by that are considered cities, like you said. But I can't believe that your place was considered a town and you graduated with that many. I mean, that's a pretty good size class. Yeah. Nowadays, I don't even know. There's probably like, it's dwindled big time, big time since I was away. But all right. So you. Yeah, when I went to high school in West Wales, and my mom, she wanted to enroll me in a school that I would have more one-on-one attention where we grew up in Worcester. I grew up on a dead-end street, so it was a great neighborhood. And I love, love, love my like childhood growing up because I feel like I had so many friends on my street and within a like, couple of streets nearby, we would always hang out and play games and go on adventures. And at the end of my street, there were ponds and like small little like bodies of water where we would collect like tadpoles and like go on little hikes and I don't know. this was fun like there was a lot to do there was an ice cream shop kind of close by and so we'd ride our bikes and get ice cream I remember like walking into the it was called Pinecroft Dairy and I'd walk in with my like four dollars or three dollars and I could afford like an order of fries and an ice cream <laughs> like and a dollar for a tip like if I was lucky if I like played my cards well if I ordered like a child size something or you know what I mean yeah and you felt so grown up doing that too didn't you yeah it was like the best I, feeling ever it felt yeah. like freedom you know like just riding my bike my hair like blowing in the wind and like <laughs> and like walking in and like having enough to leave a tip and being like proud that I left a tip you know oh that's yeah. awesome it was cute so so I grew up in that area and I, I feel like I had a really like I said a really great childhood and then Going to school in West Wilson was great too because I had the diff- I had the contrast between experiencing schools at a like a public school environment and then also going to a smaller like intimate environment and so it was kind of it was nice to have that contrast and I had friends from schools that met there too like so I went to little school there and then I also so I started in sixth seventh grade in West Wilson and before that I had gone to elementary school with some of the people that attended so I had friends and it was just a great it was a great way to have an to build an education because I felt like I was able to be seen versus being like a number in a classroom with tons of other people so I was able to be influenced by my teachers and I remember like my art teacher in particular she was just a really she was a great influence on me and she's somebody that I looked up to and she believed in me and she gave me a lot of opportunities. And as a result of that, it created a mindset that I could do things that were not the norm. And I remember that at a young age. And so it was really, it was impressive. And I, I had an opportunity to do some internships there and learn about myself through teaching art, what it was like to be in a, an education setting versus like being the person doing the art. So that was really neat. I thought that I wanted to be an art teacher when I was really young. I did some internships. I did an internship when I was a junior and a senior, I think. And the first one was with the middle school. And another one I did with the elementary school. And I learned that I didn't want to teach art. I thought that I could be an art teacher. I thought that was going to be like my path. And then I started watching people, students do crazy things like (laughs) draw like purple people and like (laughs) do things that like I wouldn't ever want to do for myself. And I didn't want to like stifle them. I remember feeling like, it's not my place to to like influence somebody to do something my way. 
and I wanted to do the work myself. And so I learned that maybe it just wasn't my time to be an art teacher. Maybe that could be something that I did when I was older. So I shifted my career path and ended up going to school for art. That's when I attended Albertus, which is in New Haven. I went originally for a double major in art and psychology. I thought I was going to be an art therapist, like learning about people, why they do what they do, and then using art as a means for coaching them through difficult times. And I realized in the middle of my college degree, I realized that I had an ability that a lot of people didn't have. And I, I thought everybody could do things that I did. And I remember like one day I was, I was in my dorm room and one of my friends came, knocked on the door and she's like, can you help me with this assignment? And it was an art project. And I was like, what are you kidding me? Like, why do you need my help? And she's like, well, I don't want to do this. Like, this is hard. I'm like, no, what do you mean? And she's like, yeah, I don't know how to like, how do I make this color? Like, what do I do? Like, how do you do that? Like, she just had, she couldn't like fathom the things that were just really easy for me. And so that's when I realized that maybe I did have some kind of a talent that I just didn't even realize I had. So I got my degree, ended up getting a degree in fine arts with a concentration in communication, marketing and graphic design. And then I had a minor in photography. And that was how I ended my my time at Albertus. And then from there, I worked at a marketing company. My first, first job right out of college was for a radio production studio. I worked in marketing at the radio production studio and I did a little bit of sales. And then from there, I worked in operations at a financial investment firm called Ryan and Beck. And I lived in New Haven, in like the center of New Haven on top of a pizza place. It was like, the third floor up and my favorite part was that it overlooked this gay bar and so we would like sit out on the fire escape sometimes and just have a drink and get to listen to live music and people watch without having to pay a cover or pay for like expensive drinks and (laughs) I used to walk to work it was like it was right where like the center of New Haven there's the campus of Yale and then there's like hospitals and lots of people walking around very lively environment. And so I had an opportunity to walk to work and I wouldn't take my lunch break so that I could come home early and paint. And I don't know, I just had a really fun life when I was over there. I really enjoyed my time in that city. It's a beautiful city. Then I met a guy, he went to college with me in New Haven and he was from Bakersfield and he had a nine-year-old brother at the time. And he was like, I don't want to miss his upbringing. I feel like He was such an important part of who I am, and I learned so much about myself. He he felt like he had learned so much about himself through the upbringing of his brother because he was young when his brother was born, and so it really impacted his life. And so he felt like he was like missing out by not experiencing him growing up and being a part of that. And so he, yeah, if I wanted to come back with him, and I remember I went, I came out here for Christmas. And it was like Christmas break. My senior year in college is when I first met him. We went to college together. And and I remember thinking like, okay, this is definitely not the version of California that I had envisioned. <laughs> right. <laughs> like a little different. I remember thinking like, man, the palm trees aren't quite what I expected. Like <laughs> California is not like. I know when you go places, it's like not what you see on TV. I mean, there are places, there are certain places that that definitely are. But yeah, you go to Bakersfield, it's like desert, and you it's so different. Like I envision like downtown Disney, like like 
palm trees that were like trimmed. I don't know what it was about the palm tree vibe in my mind. Like I yeah. had this, I think because East Coast, right? Like, yeah, I saw, I saw one palm tree when I was younger. This guy, he took a pine tree and like shaved it down and then put fake palm leaves on it. And it was all and like coconuts. And so we would walk around one of my friend's neighborhoods and there was a palm tree. And I was like, oh, that's so amazing. But it was totally fake. That was this. <laughs> that was your. Yeah. So I had this vision of palm trees being like perfectly manicured and just like this tropical, beautiful kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, when I came to Bakersfield, it was just there was a lot of palm trees that were overgrown. And <laughs> yeah, which is, like this part of the the development of a tree however uh yeah so i i ended up checking it out i was here for a little bit and then when i went back um i decided you know what if i didn't want to stay in bakersfield then i can move somewhere else and it could just be a good first step for me to experience something outside of my comfort zone and i figured i'd give it a shot and so i ended up moving here i um i worked for self-insured schools of california as a temp for a little while. It's called CISC now, S-I-S-C. I'm sure you're familiar with them. Yep. And and I remember meeting like tons of people in that environment because it was, there was a decent amount of employees in the office there downtown in that brick building by the Bank of America building. And um, I loved working there. It was just a short time. They were transferring all of their paperwork to paperless. And so I got paid a decent amount of money to scan in documents and I figured I would just meet people that way and I could find myself a job and a career that I would be more in line with and sure enough I met this woman um, who was married to an administrator at the Bakersfield Californian and I asked if I could apply for a job as an artist there and working in advertising or in marketing and I went in for an interview and I got the job and from there, I was there for a while. I think I was there for about three years. And then I worked in marketing for a car dealership. And then I ended up opening my own business. Yes, I ended up opening my own business right around 2011, maybe. Yeah, that's how I ended up in Bakersfield. And yeah. Yeah, boys boys do that that kind of stuff to us, don't they? Yeah. I just thought I remember talking to my friends at the time and I remember thinking like, what do I have to lose? You know, like I can come out here and I can see whatever it brings me, like whatever life throws my way. Or I can think about how I didn't do that thing. You know, and I figured I'd rather look back and think I did that versus what would have happened if I if I did that. Yeah, I totally get that. So you've lived half your life in Massachusetts, pretty much, and half your life in Bakersfield. We're kind of at that half and half point, right? So, okay. just You've done a lot of really cool stuff. You've been able to experience a lot of really interesting people and have different careers, different paths, even internships and stuff like that. If you were to think back, like, who was, do you think was the biggest impact on your life so far? Like if you were to think like who who is is the person that really might have probably changed the trajectory of your life and how you think and how you show up every day. I feel like my parents were really big influences in my life. Um, I don't think one more than the other, 
I feel like both of them just were really great uh, role models. And when I look at the way that they lived their lives and how they communicated with me about the importance of things that they've experienced in their lives, there was a lot that contributed to the way that I looked at life. Um, my mom, she didn't go to college until she was in her mid thirties and she, well, she went to college before that she was, uh, dating my dad and she was going to school for fashion design. And then she ended up going back to college in her mid thirties for a business, uh, degree. And then my dad, he worked for Teamsters. He worked for a well, Teamsters union. And he used to always tell me like, you know, anything that you do in your life, Heather, as long as you set your mind to it, you can achieve anything. And also like, don't do something just for the sake of feeling it. Like look for something that you're passionate about. You have a choice and you can decide what you do in your life. You don't have to go to work for money. Like that is not the message. I received growing up and I think that like that's so huge that's like to me I like I've heard you say you know the things that you know how you're the things yeah like your dad said to you and it just it blows my mind because I'm like oh my gosh that's so amazing you know and I'm sure people listening you know some of them might be thinking the same thing like wow like parents really tell kids that and then some are thinking oh yeah that's how my parents you know and I, I do think like a part of I mean he told me that and then later so when I started the first business I started was a jewelry business well no gotcha the first business I started was a I was a painter and I was commissioned to paint for people like that had ideas and so people would pay me to do things for their home for decor for different reasons and I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to move to California when I had that opportunity come up and I'll paint, I'll just paint and I'll do photography and I'll start my career as an artist and I'll do that full time. And then I started a business in jewelry and I started selling jewelry and accessories. And, um, I remember doing shows with my dad cause I would go, I was by coastal for a little bit. So I'd go home, Massachusetts. And set up in hospitals and like craft fairs and do all the things and I'd make really, really good money. And I remember my dad telling me, this is like, I'm in my mid twenties now. And he would be like, Heather, you know, this company is a great company to work for. They have, you'll have benefits and like they treat their employees so well. And so even though when I was younger, he would tell me like, don't go to work for work. He still valued working for a company that had that treated their employees well and had great benefits. So there's a little bit of a mixed message there, I think, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It made me laugh. But yeah, so I feel like my parents are really big influences in my life. And then I can look back. I remember my art teacher, the one that I was talking about earlier, and my fourth grade teacher. So my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Weaver, and my art teacher, uh, Mrs. Tetler, both of them were really big influences in my life. Mrs. Weaver also, I don't know if she just, she just had, she was an excellent teacher. She had this certain like vibe about her and she wasn't just doing like the standard things that teachers did. She, she did, uh, international nights where we would, we would get an assignment and we get to pick a country and then we would build a report around that country. And then I remember I built in fourth grade, I built a menu for a French restaurant 
And then I was like, then everybody brought food from that um, project that we did. We all brought our own like country's food. And we had like an international night where we all get to try everything. And then she also did a play, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I was what? the narrator. Such a good, right? Such a good favorite. That Love. I was the narrator. And I remember feeling like at the time that I wasn't an incredible like reader. You know, we've talked about this before, reading in front of people and reading in class. I never really considered myself somebody that would be like chosen as a narrator. And so then when I was, I like owned it and I remember feeling like, oh my God, I can do this. I can do things that I might not think that I could have done. And somebody else thinks I can do it. So I must be able to do it. It's just <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mrs. Tetler, same kind of vibe. Um, she asked if I would be the art director of the production um, The Wizard of Oz. And I said, Can I have that help me? And she was like, No, you get to do this by yourself. And I remember thinking like, oh man, it'd be so much more fun to do it with my old friends, you know? Yeah. Well, I ended up, I was just very involved in that production. I can look back at like the sets. I designed a ton of sets. I helped do like the makeup. I did, I did so many things for that production. And I remember I even like drew out every um, ticket. Like I actually drew out the tickets. I designed the backdrop that filled the stage. It was like, 30 feet by like 20 feet. I don't even know the dimensions, but it was huge. Um, yeah, I remember ordering paint one day and she was like, I put on my mom voice because I would hear my mom do things like from a business standpoint. And so I just like copied what she would do. Yes. Yeah. Very calling and being like, hi, my name is Heather. I'm calling from West Wilson High School. I wanted to place an order for paint. And I remember her looking at me like, ah. <laughs> like what are you doing? But in a good way. And so I got off the phone and she's like, wow, you, you have such a great ability and you're, you, you're much more advanced than you think. And so she worked with me. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's amazing how like we don't realize the people that we touch, like those teachers may not realize like how much they've influenced you. You know, you know, like obviously our parents and our family has a huge impact on our lives, but it's, you know, those people that come in our lives at certain times and exit at certain times and you don't really realize the ripple effect they have until years later and here you are, you know, sharing it, you know, many, many years later. Um all right, so I have I have, you know, my questions for you. And the other question that I had for you was what has been one of the greatest lessons that you've learned so far in life so one of my first jobs well i think it's my second job i worked at mcdonald's when i was really young i got a permit um to work at the age of 14 and prior to that i was working with my mom filing paperwork at a light and sound company it was called a media sound and light and they did those big um spotlights like across the sky um, and so my first official job, like on the books, was working at McDonald's and I made $4 and like 25 cents an hour, which is crazy. And I remember my manager, his name's Bill Strunz, uh, he taught me that when I get excited about something or if I go into this like 
get stuff done mode, then it creates a tension and it's not conducive for like a team environment. And so I noticed that, like, he noticed, he pulled me aside one day and he was like, Heather, I need you to just take a breath. And that kind of changed the way that I showed out. And as a result of that, it, it still to this day, like I have to check in with myself because I get, I just get excited to interact with people. And then I also get in the zone of like getting stuff done too. And I, I just go into like, okay, there's this, there's that, there's this. And taking the time to step back and take a breath and like ground myself. It's something that I worked on to this day. And I still haven't even mastered it, even knowing that that is something that impacts people around me. I still get to work on it. So greatest lesson is ultimately slowing down so you can go fast. Yeah. And also like taking a pulse on myself, you know, like figuring out, like taking the time to just like step into awareness. Yeah. I, I need to do that. Yeah. My bro- well, my brain's racing because there's like, because I know you and I love that every time we talk, like I discover new things about you, but it's like, I want like everyone to know you right now, you know, which I, I know it's not going to happen. It's going to be over a period of time because, and then I'm so excited that, you know, you're on this podcast now and, you know, so everyone's going to get to know you because I just love you. And so I feel like everyone else is going to love you. You want to like flash forward to when everybody already knows me. You're like, okay, let's do it right now. <laughs> I think what's really cool is that you're so human and that, and just like everybody listening, like we all have this ha- past history of like our first job, our first, you know, love, our high school experience, maybe college or, you know, maybe you went to the military or maybe you went right into work or maybe you're a young mom or, you know, it just we all have this story. And I just think that it's so cool how we all one, we all keep going in life. We keep trying and we keep extracting these lessons and people get to continuously be an influence in our life and we get to choose how we want to show up and how we want to take all that in and move forward in our lives from all that because the other thing about you that I wanted to dive into is you know you had your jewelry business and you've had you know worked for the Bakersfield California and done all these really great things and you moved to California and the thing that we haven't talked about is you have created this amazing space in Bakersfield that is an amazing restaurant and you have and you have art there you have like so much going on through this space and so I wanted you to share a little bit about how you went from you know doing the jewelry and having that business to then and that was in I think you said 20 2011 or what was it yeah 2000 just switching into locale farm to table which is a restaurant that you have right now yeah, my timeline might be a little off. I haven't like done a, a resume or like it's okay. We're not gonna like No, it's funny though, you know, like when you think about it from like a business ownership perspective versus like somebody in a corporate world, it's really right. common for people to know their like timelines because right. they're like documenting that often. I have to pull up my LinkedIn and be like, When what was my timeline for real? It's on there. Yeah. So working for the newspaper and then shifting into jewelry from the jewelry shift, I just so I got involved with home shows. And this was a while back. So maybe I think we're looking at 2008. Actually, is what you're saying. What was that? It could have overlapped a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think 
2008 was when the market kind of crashed out here. I had it was a great business already during that time. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't want to stay in jewelry because I felt guilty about taking people's money. Like, I literally feel like, yeah, we've talked about this before. Like, I felt like that people wouldn't be able to support their families if they spent. I had expensive things. Like, I created these custom, like, pieces that people could customize. And they made really great gifts. And the price range was anywhere from, like, 100 to, like, $350 for some of these pieces. And so somebody could come in and buy, like, one or two of them and give them away and make somebody feel really special. And it was a really feel-good thing when the economy was good. And then when the economy started to shift, it kind of went from, like, feel-good to, like, I felt guilty. And I just mm. didn't. And it resonate with me. Like I felt like, my God, I don't want to look at that person's husband. And they know that they just came and spent $300 with me. And the week before they were telling me from a friendship perspective that they were going to be on a budget and all these things, you know. And so I, I felt a, a pull, like a moral pull, you know. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I decided I would start teaching again, which is funny because I told you that I, I thought that maybe that was something that I didn't want to do when I was in high school. And so now I found myself in my late 20s or mid to late 20s, I think I was. And I remember being like, okay, I had an opportunity to teach art at Del Rio Elementary here in town. And I remember thinking to myself like, okay, is this what it's like to get old? You know, like, <laughs> like here we are. I was sitting in front of the classroom of people presenting my syllabus to them. And they had tons of people that were applying to do this job. And I remember getting the job and thinking, okay, this is a shift, you know, and it was probably a good shift because the economy started to, to downshift and it would be something that I could rely on. I was still doing jewelry on the side. Uh, I met this girl while I was doing a home show at the time. People didn't really do home shows that it wasn't common to go into somebody's house and set up things. It's just something that I learned that I could do to help people save money by incentivizing them through sales. So I was there and this girl was there and she's like, you know, I'm pregnant and I'm going to be leaving my job. And I worked for an engineering company. And I think that you would be a really great fit. So if you want to do what I'm doing, your background is really similar to mine. I feel like I could get you a job there. And so I applied to this engineering firm. I had no experience in engineering, well, anything in that regard. And I remember the guy asked me to come in. His name is Joe. He asked me to come in at like six o'clock in the morning for an interview. Oh, that doesn't work for Heather. I am not a morning person. Six o'clock in the morning, like, if I'm going to get up at 5 or 4.30, then there's only two real reasons. An airplane or the news. The news or an airplane. Like, it's either. Everybody, she's going on the news, not just to watch the news. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. If somebody asks me to go on the news, to talk on the news, then I will say yes. And or traveling. Those are the only two reasons. So an interview, I mean, I figured the answer, the right answer was yes. And so I did. And I, I got offered the job. So I ended up working for an engineering firm for a couple of years. And uh, during that time, I remember thinking like I wanted to buy a house and I wanted to be able to start my life as an adult and like make some decisions to invest in property and to invest in my future. And so when I was dating the guy that I moved out here with, we had some discussions and I was like, okay, we both can buy a house for the first time and it, we can get a loan for 3%. And so if we each buy a house, then we'll set ourselves up for success. And so I took that job with the intention of buying a house. And during that time frame, I ended up working for ERA for a little bit too. The engineering firm there worked in a project management department. I met a ton of people. 
And I had already started doing like custom cakes and like graphic design for weddings. And that side of my brain started to really like develop into a business of itself. And I was also doing marketing and fundraising and apparel for the nonprofit that my ex ran, which was a soccer club. So he had like 32 soccer teams, I think, or something like that. And so I did events for them. I did their website design. I did so much of my time was spent on that. So I was kind of doing a little bit of everything. I was doing the engineering work. I was doing marketing and design for the nonprofit. And then I started my own business doing like floral design, wedding coordinating, wedding invitations. I had some marketing clients that I was working with on the side through like some financial investors that were helping me do marketing campaigns. I had other small businesses that I was working with and I just started to develop a business through design and with my artistic abilities. In the meantime, mm-hmm. while all that was going on, I was doing a lot of wedding photography too and just photography in general. I felt like I was really like living a life full of like passion and purpose and an opportunity came up to purchase a wine bar during one time and I had no interest in it like zero the person that had the opportunity came to me and asked if I would launch their wine bar and I was like I don't I don't really want to do that and they were like but you'd be so good at it you make all this great food you're always entertaining you're always having people over you love wine it would just be a really great fit and I remember thinking like I don't really want to work for somebody like that. I already had gotten into the habit of doing the things that I was doing to generate an income. And this person was like, we could partner, you know, if that's something that you would be interested in. And I remember talking to my fiance at the time and telling him, like, if I'm going to do a business like that, then I'd want it to be my own. And so we ended up putting in an offer on the wine bar, even though like it was not part of my passion. And the offer got accepted. It was wind me up over there on the west side. And it fell through. It fell out of escrow. I think, I don't know what happened. I think they might have bought a different offer or something, but I ended up falling through. And through that, another broker came around and Union Station Deli, it was in business for 10 years. It was a restaurant where I'm located now. And they were selling. The owner was retiring. Her and her husband were in their mid-60s and her mom was dying and she was just really going through a tough time. She had run it for 10 years and she just was out of her book's end. And so I ended up putting an offer for that and got it. And so I figured I would transition it into a wine and cheese bar with like wine tasting and live music and like small bites and create an experience around what I thought that I was going to be doing like prior. And I realized in the meantime that there was a really big need for casual gourmet dining. I remember when I first first started, it was really challenging because people didn't see what I saw yet. And so I was transitioning into this concept of like really great innovative food with a twist. And at the time, it just wasn't common in our community. We only had Lou Creamery at the time. Like there wasn't a lot of other restaurants that were doing out of the box kind of food. And so people resisted it. And it was really, it was challenging. Like I remember thinking to myself, like, man, this is hard and people don't like me and I don't like that feeling and I hate letting people down I don't it's the worst feeling it it yeah especially when you're working really hard to try something and I remember putting like I would start my day I'm not an early person I'd still start my day at like seven o'clock in the morning and I would 
go until like 11 or 11 30 at night and it was just this like grind and there were days that people i would try new things i would come up with a special and the client base that they had was just not in line with like what i was doing and it was challenging like they wanted sandwiches you're like give them like gourmet small but out of the box thinking like big burgers and what was that burger that you guys were playing with the other day and i tried it and i was like oh my gosh this is like so amazing that was the garlic confit it was a mushroom garlic and confit burger and yeah like that so we're over here doing like in that burger there's a mushroom patty that we made that's kind of like a crab cake and there's confit garlic which is just like roasted garlic with olive oil and it kind of turns into like a spread and just explaining like confit somebody when they were accustomed to eating like bread and meat and cheese cheese and mayonnaise not even like dry bread meat no seasoning like the client base that they had was just totally different and i remember thinking like oh my god and then i learned you know over the years that it's really just about finding uh, finding my people and i was talking to cindy so she does the nourishing casino but either way so i was talking to her about it and i was like you know when I first first started, it was really depleting and I felt like defeated often because I was trying to provide food to people that weren't my clients. And I learned that it's harder. It's like trying to like educate people about something they have more interest in being educated about. Yeah. Yeah. It's you're trying to that's like nobody should do that. Nobody should try to change their business to fit. Like we talked about this the other day, like, you know change your business to fit the population of like even Bakersfield right like you gotta be who you are and you have to like do things in a way that isn't aligned with yourself because otherwise you just end up being like everybody else and nothing changes and not exciting and it's not different and it's just all the same and that's boring and, well and I think too it's like finding that niche right because so with her she was she was at an event it's a pop-up it wasn't yours it was somebody else's and she was just saying that she was, she felt like there, she's got a lot of time and it didn't really seem to have paid off. And yeah. Yeah. So I feel like finding the people that really connect with the things that we're doing and uh, this, from a business standpoint, is really important. And when I look at that business at that time where I started, the client base that they had was just like similar demographic to them, either like close to retirement or within a time frame of that. And they didn't care about flavor. They didn't care about sourcing food. They didn't care about creative ingredients. That wasn't my client base. And I feel like what I did was I looked for the middle ground as a result of that. And once I started to find that middle ground and like change how I was seeking out new business, it really shifted the way that my days looked. And I remember later going home and being like, okay, it feels way better. People are actually grateful for the things that I'm doing versus. Thanks for joining us today, you guys, on this Happy Whole You podcast. We are so stoked that you are listening. And if you have questions or want to reach out to us, you can always email us at info at happyholeyou.com. And you know where to find us at Happy Whole You on Facebook and at Happy Whole You on Instagram. So have a wonderful day. Have a great week. And we will see you soon.